0: Welcome to the Turns Out She's Psychic podcast for another Wednesday. We're going to start off with five minutes with spirit like we did last week. This week's question was something that came from still the black racial crisis that we're hearing about and living and realizing over in the States. But this question came from a personal perspective for me, which was, I really needed spirit to help me understand how to get this right. And it was such a naive question. Now I think about it, but I really didn't have another way to ask it because I was simply exhausted from trying to figure out how to, how to say that even the right way without being judged. I just was, I felt like I'd been pushed into this corner and no matter what I said or no matter what I did or whichever angle I came from, I felt that there was always someone in their self-righteousness and in their shame and in their fear and in their pain, digging or reacting or responding So my question was, help me understand what I need to do, how I can serve the masses, how I can serve myself, how I can serve for spirit and the universe for everyone's greatest good. And what came as the response from spirit was something that I feel was so nurturing and so fascinating and surprising. And I really can't go past sharing this with you because I hope that it helps if not one, some, all, I don't know. I just hope that it helps others understand as well. So Spirit's response was very simply, you are receiving a lot right now. For many of us, the things that we're seeing and hearing and reading and learning about and having conversations about are things that some of us didn't even know existed to that extent some of us were naive to it or ignorant to it. Some of us maybe even be guilty of playing into it. Who knows? But we are seeing pictures. We are seeing children. We are seeing pictures of dead people. We are seeing people that are very passionate and that are hurting and that are in pain and suffering. We are hearing them and we are being flooded with very distressing information and visuals. And I know that it is nothing in comparison to what these people are going through, but you cannot bypass the reality of this shock. I didn't know how to serve and show up for all of you on my social media platform and for my family and for myself because I wasn't allowing myself to sit there and be sad at some of the things that I was just learning about, the reality of what happens I wasn't giving myself time to process it. I was thinking I needed to have a a, a view. I needed to have a standpoint. I needed to have a voice ready to speak. And that was just way too much pressure on myself. And one other thing that I want to really add to this right now is that this morning I came across an Instagram page that I follow. And this lady, I'm not going to name it for privacy reasons, but This lady has a significant amount of followers and she wrote on her page saying that she's going to take a bit of a break from social media because she's finding that she's just on borderline of burnout and uh, she really needs to take a break so that she can continue to show up for everyone else and she'll be back soon. And I was floored, jaw dropped at the fact that the comment that I read underneath it was from this woman who said, you need a break, you're choosing your discomfort right now to step out when there are people out there who are in much more discomfort than you and you think this is hard, now's not the time to take a break. I'm not following your account anymore. Delete, unfollow. I was gobsmacked. The The shame in that, the self-righteousness in that, the, the ego in that, it was just so, so screaming loudly at me and... I thought, that is not cool. This goes back to what Spirit said last week about how the way to be able to get through this is to go home and have these conversations about kindness, about forgiveness, about acceptance and about love and start showing up each day with that kindness and that love and that forgiveness and that intention and there are people out there day in and day out my social media is flooded with judge 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 and the worst thing is that you can't be right you no one can be right in this situation because there are so many emotions there is so much pain it's ancestral pain it's generational pain it's pain and suffering and emotion and trauma it's stories And there isn't a right way to be able to manage this. There isn't a right way to talk about it. But for me, over the weekend, I would normally, and I did plan to do a little bit of a live and a post about the moon and the amazing total lunar eclipse that we had over the weekend. Huge, powerful, full moon, ready to go into our winter hibernation. It's something that I would usually do every year. But this year I chose to listen to what spirit was guiding me through over the weekend, which was just to sit back and to just really digest all the distressing visuals and information and conversation and things that I'd heard. Just, 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 just you know, let it sit, just process it, process the pictures of these children that are, you know, being used to spread a message and the pain in their eyes, you know, as young as three and four and just to see all of these images, it's such an onslaught of the senses. And I decided to take that time to do that. And I did it unapologetically. And I feel like that's what we need to do is to prioritize making sure that we have ourselves sorted that we are coming from a place that is not emotionally hurt and traumatised as well because the minority needs the majority to stand up for them and support them now and that's what I want to do. But as a majority, I can't do that when I am weakened And I hope that for those that are listening who are part of a minority, that you understand that because it comes with the most pure intention and it is the best that I can do. So I just want to encourage everyone to take away from Spirit's message this weekend, do the best that you can do. And when you learn how to do it better, do it better and just keep showing up. But also you are human and you need to go through the emotions, not spiritually bypass that shit, not pretend it's not happening, not just regurgitate what other people are saying, work it out for yourself and do it and don't speak and don't move until you can speak with kindness and pure intent and love and forgiveness in your heart. So, thank you. I hope that there was a takeaway from that. Now we are on to the next episode of the Podcast. All right. We're back on. Great.
1: So, Tracy, I've got another question for you. That's funny. For For our wonderful listeners of this podcast that maybe haven't had a reading by someone like yourself before but always been curious... Um, They might be a little bit scared about what you may know or not know. Um, Do you have any advice for somebody who's thinking about seeing someone like yourself but hasn't before?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, a ton. (laughs) Um, The first thing I'm going to say too, though, is that if you are a sceptic and and afraid or and or, um, if you're going to book in yourself to see a psychic medium or psychic or whatever, just leave your scepticism outside the door if you're a sceptic just for the time that you're in there because it is going to be to your detriment. Mm. It's going to affect the, the how well the psychic can do. And when psychics feel that they're being tested, it does piss us off. <laughs> Because we can still do it, except we have to then manage your energy as well. And it's, it's a lower vibration. So it means that we have to work harder for you, which is fine. And we will do that because it's part of the nature of our work. However, you're not going to get the best session because they had to weed through all of that before they got to the good stuff. So deal with your skepticism before you walk in the door rather than offloading it for the first 15 minutes in the session. And you can pick it back up when you walk out. Um, If you're nervous, if you're nervous about the finding out bad things, it means you probably didn't do your research as to the psychic that you've gone to. Because these days we can get into a lot of trouble if we say things that are uh, going to induce some kind of, fear or um uncertainty that is not healthy um so most psychics won't say things to induce those those feelings so you're pretty much going to be okay however doing research into your psychic you should always go to someone who has who has someone that you know has seen before you should always go to someone who has been doing it for a while um Yeah, like, you know, there was a time when I hadn't done a heap of professional readings that was just always personal ones and private ones. So in saying that, how are we supposed to learn and get started, which is fine, but if you're nervous, go to someone who knows what they're doing. If you're not nervous, then you can go to the people who are new to actually being professional. But if you're nervous, you go with the the wise old... (laughs) owl that sits in the corner that has been doing it for donkeys you know that everyone goes and sees as their mystic or whatever you know you just you got to be smart about it because we're expensive these days (laughs) and sometimes it can take a while to get in to see us as well um what I will always do is because I can sense people's nervousness and fear when they walk in and because I'm merging with my client's energy before they arrive and in the whole entire experience that they're there, I know exactly how they're feeling and I do everything that I can to ho- to get them to calm down and I'll make a joke and, you know, I'll settle them down and we can sense that that's how they're feeling. So usually it's, you know, if you're still nervous when you walk in the door, just say it. Just say to the person, I'm a little bit nervous if they haven't already said to you, are you nervous or you're excited? Um, And sometimes I can feel that people are are excited, but they'll actually say, I'm a bit nervous. So I'll suggest to them before they get to say the word nervous, I'll say, oh, you're feeling a bit excited. And so that they can replace that feeling with excited, not nervousness, because that's what it probably is, not nerves. Um, Come and see me and I'm not going to tell you, Like I said before, I'm not going to tell you about when you're going to die. Um, If I want to, I can see that. I just choose not to because it's not for anyone's highest good as far as I'm concerned. Um, As a medical medium, everything that I get in my boundaries, it's got to be curable, preventable or manageable. So if it comes through, I will share it. It's in my delivery of sharing and I will say um, if it was something that I felt alarmed by or was urgent, I would be saying something different right now. I would be urging you to go and see, see your doctor. And um, we have questions that we ask that um, help us understand how much a person knows about themselves in terms of medical um, or, or their peop- their loved ones in terms of medical. And we can sort of gauge whether or not um, if they've got an awareness of the fact that someone's about to die. Um we can have a bit of a different conversation, but if they've got no awareness at all, then we just don't go there because it's just not cool. Yeah. Um, anything that I do share is designed to be something that you can cure, prevent or manage. And in that case, that's a good thing to have that awareness so that you can take control or you can at least plan and have that foresight because if it comes through, it must be for your highest good. Mm-hmm. so that's why I think that you go to the people who know what they're doing that have got experience that are pe that are really good people managers as well and understand people's cues as what's too much and what's not enough um if I was to go and see a psychic it would it would have to be someone that um I've heard a lot about but I also would connect to their energy but that's just me so it's kind of strange because I'm not normal to be able to say yeah (laughs) what it's like to be on the outside because when I went to the two psychics that I went to when I was younger the first one she was an old lady Hazel and she was the the family mystic for um, a friend of mine And all of her mum and all of her aunts, she had like 20 aunts. It was ridiculous how many women were in that family. I'm sure they they were just like half of them were just friends that she called auntie. But they all used to go to this one woman and it was kind of like a cool thing to go and do. So we went and did that and it was amazing. She was very real and raw and so old school. Was it fun? It was freaky for Mm me um, because it was in her home. She looked like a full-blown witch, like... She, she sounded witchy, she, she had a croaky voice and she was smoking and she was like all hunched over like a crone. Good witch, right? Good witch. <laughs> um, but you could like, I knew when I walked in that the energy was real um, and the realer, the, the more kind of um, intimidating it is for someone like me, I guess, because you know that what you're going to get is what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but my nan had just passed away, my mum's mum. So I was a little bit nervous as to the validations and the confirmations that she was about to bring through as to what I'd received from my nan since she'd passed because I was only 18. So um, 17, no, I was 18. Um, And still a baby in being able to understand my own abilities and having someone actually confirm them and validate them. Spirit would do it all the time, but humans, not so much because I was too afraid to say it because I thought I was... Sounded a bit crazy, or I was the weird one. And then when I was a bit older and I went to that second psychic, I had legitimate questions that I struggled with and I needed answers. Yeah. And that's the only reason why I went there. And she was just a run-of-the-mill inside the back of a shop inside a Westfields center. Um, but I've never seen another psychic and I never would. So I've seen the two, the two ends, and both of them were amazing. Um but if I was to see another psychic, it would have to probably be someone more like Hazel. Yep. Because she's not, she doesn't need to impress anyone.
1: Yeah, she's just there.
0: She's doing a thing.
1: Yep. Saying what she, she sees. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How'd you get my number? Exactly.
0: <laughs> I love
1: that. I guess it depends on why someone might come to see you. They might have questions about jobs, about love, about...
0: Yeah, that's their so future, right.
1: or obviously the medium side of things where they want to connect with someone that has passed. So
0: depending on why they're there. That's a very, very, very valid point. So, you know, there's a lot of anxiety around people actually speaking to people have crossed over. Um, most of the anxiety actually comes from that they're not going to be there. Um, which is very very rarely the case like I could probably count on one hand how many times that has happened um and then it when they've come back to try again I've succeeded so it's rare that that happens um because I think they have hope yeah and it's that I have their hope in my hands and so to speak and um And to have that shattered Um, and then other questions and things like um, I have people come and they talk to me about affairs and things like that it's like they're a little bit nervous about what the answers are going to be to their questions because I can answer those questions Mm -hmm. Um, and because it's gonna it's about what that means after the reading not as opposed to what it means in the reading it's like what's this going to mean for my life when I find out the truth
1: well that's right Um, you can go in for a reading on on light things and then be told a few truths along the way and then you walk out feeling like you have been
0: smacked in the face going, what just happened?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's more of more revelations really and, um, yeah, it changes your perspective on things. But it's interesting to walk in one way and walk out the other and it's, it's been an hour in between yet you don't ever see things in exactly the same way again. Yeah. If you're ready to, I suppose. Yeah, it's true.
0: And I think that that's, um, that's another point as well, you know. Um, knowing what psychics can do and do do these days is very different to what they used to do. It's not all just like I see into your future and this is what I see. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of clarity that goes on with present day and past and that that's a... It depends on if you want that or not. Like exactly, yep. Um, so I think that you know to do your homework to um, dissipate those nerves and that fear that you might have by going to someone that you know is good because you've heard that they've that they've had some things that have shown that they've got ability. Mm. Um, and good doesn't mean that they guessed right or that they got it right. Um, Two um, that they that they gave more than what was expected in terms of um, clarity and support because I know that there are a lot of I've seen them work you know a lot of psychics out there who are so cold and just so dut, 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 where's your money see you later and they're actually very probably good psychics and mediums but there's no bedside manner with it yeah. And for the money that we charge these days, like you gotta ramp it up a little bit, sweetheart. You know, like you kinda you gotta add more it's about care. It's a holistic type experience, in my opinion. But I think that's probably why my clients are my type of client. They don't just come to me for the what's in my future. Yeah. So yeah, what you're coming for would probably make a big difference in your level of anxiety and figure out what you wanna know
1: and why you're going exactly.
0: Yeah, could just be for a baseline initially, or it could be
1: really deep questions that yeah. that you've been exploring for a while, I
0: suppose. And then also, there's that vulnerability aspect too, because there's no hiding. Like, no. I hear quite often, like at least every week, I will hear one person in front of me say, "I may as well just tell you because you're gonna know anyway." <laughs> it's just like it's like the it's like um, they walk it's like a um, a confession booth. They walk yep. in, it's just like. Like, Shyness okay. too, because if no, like
1: yeah. you know, if people haven't met you before, all it's of like a sudden vomit. they're meeting someone that then straight away they can see everything. Yeah, you don't even know
0: this person. Yes, yeah, so so. I'm going to tell you the truth before you know the truth. <laughs> So that I can help you form an opinion about it before, before you nice. form. Don't judge me. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not judging you. Like that's that's I think why a lot of people love coming to see me in my room and be in that space and why they come back and again and again and again is because of how they feel when they're in that room. Mm-hmm. They get to be free. And where can you go these days? Like most people can't even be free in their own home. true it's true yeah so it's um go to a space where um where you can feel like you can just uh speak your truth and let it out Mm. it's rare it's it's special
1: i love you oh thanks
0: tracy all right so what does energy protection mean So energy protection means in a nutshell that you need to be responsible for your energy. So you need to protect it from itself, but you also need to protect it from external influence as well. And in doing that, you need to understand that there's three kind of basic principles around how you how you protect your energy and why. So. Cleansing, grounding and protecting are those three basic principles and the reasons why we hold them as basic and foundational, which means that when I do mentoring, every single person that I mentor from the very beginning will understand the basic fundamentals about energy, energy protection and how to cleanse, ground and protect it. Because you cannot be working with energy or understand it even and respect it if you don't do these things. Sure. So we start off by cleansing. So we need to understand that our energy uh, gets affected by other people's energy. It gets affected by the energy that's in an environment. So at work, an environment at school, wherever we are, our energy gets protected by, uh, affected by people, spaces, circumstance as well. You know, like they're, our thoughts and our feelings carry energy. So if we're in a in a circumstance where it's you know it's a really high happy environment then our energy is going to be going to be affected by that and at the end of the day when we go to bed and our conscious mind checks out and our subconscious mind checks in that's when it's going to become really important as to what your energy is doing for the rest of you so if you go to bed with dirty energy or heavy energy or very influenced energy then your your anatomical and your biological chemistry all of that part of you the human part of you is not going to have enough energy required to do what it needs to do for your digestive systems for your repair for your relief for the processes that our human body needs when we rest and sleep and repair So by cleansing your energy, it is this awareness and this intention behind really just recognizing that you need to take your energy back to like a square one, to a baseline of what your energy is. So, for someone like me, my energy is, my baseline is obviously far different to what your baseline energy would be. Yep. And everyone else's is the same as well. But it's to, to get us back to our baseline energy. And to do that every day means that we're being responsible with our energy because we need it to be responsible for us so that we are not getting sick and that we're not taking things into the next day and the next day and the next day and getting sicker then. But also we, our energy affects everyone else's energy. So how, how our energy is when we come into contact with other people, we, we have a responsibility for that too, especially someone like me when my whole entire day is based on energy exchanges. So when we cleanse the energy, we, we are cleansing two parts of it. We're cleansing what is ours that, that, that we don't need anymore. So it might be that you know, the crisis that we were experiencing yesterday might have been solved. And today we are back to normal again, and there's no crisis. So we are cleansing what no longer serves us, the bad mood, the fear, the the sadness, whatever it was that was associated with that, that crisis the day before, so that the next day, our energy isn't sort of still contaminated by those past thoughts and feelings. Now, we're also going to cleanse what's not ours because when we go to sleep at night when our body needs to rest and recover and digest and metabolize its day it's also doing that from a spiritual perspective and our higher self comes down and speaks to our subconscious and they have a chat and they try to digest and metabolize the emotional and the spiritual aspects of the day but it's quite often that what they see as needing to digest and metabolize isn't ours. And they know that it's not ours, but we still have it. And so what do we do with that energy? It's got to go somewhere. They can't just go, no, that's not hers, chuck it in the bin. It has to stay on you. And so this is when I say to people, when I'm training people or explaining, like trying to use an analogy, I say they dump it in your spare room. Um. And when they dump it in the spare room, eventually that spare room gets too full and it needs to be evicted. And the way that your energy will tell you that it's getting full is you will get sick. When it tells you that it needs to be evicted and you've not listened, you will get beyond sick so that it stops you and you have to do some kind of purge of energy, which is how we get a cough or a cold or a stomach bug or something but the energy kind of forces itself out of you because you haven't taken care of it yourself. So when we cleanse, we can use, typically we use the four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. So we like to use what is the, the elements that we uh, have most of an, infinity to, an affinity towards. So for me, it's water mm-hmm. um, and especially for cleansing. So I cleanse myself in the shower every night and every morning, whenever I have a shower, I would do this. I would just get in. And as soon as I'm in there, I just say, wash away what's not mine. And I just imagine my my energy on the outside and the inside of my body that's all the way out to about 12 foot. I just imagine it being just washed away just with this beautiful water and it just goes down the sink. And then I say, wash away what's not mine, wash away what no longer serves me. So my intention is to be very clear about the both of those: what's mine and what's not mine. And I don't really need to know what it is. Like I don't need to then go through what it is that I'm releasing. I just have to consciously, deliberately, and intentionally give the instruction to release what's not serving let it me. Yeah. Mm, okay. So you can also do that, and I do do that sometimes with um, earth, air, and fire, which is through sage. Okay. So sage is of the earth, and it's fire, and it's the air. That we use. So we can cleanse as well using sage. We can I typically will cleanse space with sage and cleanse myself with water, but I have been known to cleanse myself with sage too. <laughs> like the sage smoke you're talking about. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh so there you can also do that with incense. There's just a little bit of difference between sage and incense. So the incense particles aren't as fine as the sage particles. Mm-hmm. So the sage has a much more effective cleanse in the air than incense but if you're stuck you can use incense yeah certain incenses obviously are a bit better than others so um when we recognize that we're cleansing you could also cleanse in the ocean you could you can cleanse you know whatever you want but the the four elements is technically the um the most ideal way to do it because that's how the universe hears you it's sort of it's like we're speaking the same language using mother earth So then when we move into grounding, grounding is really important too, because it's almost just like letting your energy like a hot air balloon. It's like letting it out and just letting the wind take it. And then not knowing how it's going to be able to come back down again, you know, like I see paragliders and parasailers, and I'm just like, oh my God, that freaks me out because (laughs) what happens if one day the wind is just so bad that you cannot land (laughs) because I just need to be grounded. It's just like, oh my God, I know I just need to know a way to ground Mm -hmm. and I cannot see how those things can ground if the wind was to just take them away. Um, So grounding is about knowing that you're safe and that you do have a, like a, um, like a compass that takes you back home. And, To ground is similar to what some people will recognize as earthing and they'll use it interchangeably, but they're two very different things. So grounding is a much more spiritually intentional um, metaphorical type exercise. But essentially what we're doing is recognizing that we are just not the human experience within inside ourselves and that our energy does not just belong to this human body that we can see and feel and touch. It is, in fact, energy that encompasses Mother Earth, that encompasses Father Sky and Spirit and the universe and everything around us. So by grounding, we're saying that we we intentionally shift our energy from our bodies down into into the earth so that we feel supported and that we're not alone, that we have everything that Mother Earth provides for us to help us through. It's also a way for us to feel centered and calm to remind us and trigger us into and activate us into our our natural state of of energy, where home is, where that that baseline is. So sometimes people will say I just need to go away for the weekend and they go camping and, you know, like they've been working for like six months straight and haven't had a holiday and they just need to rack off for the weekend and and be in the middle of nowhere and that's their way to ground. And people usually will do this without realising they're doing it they just have their way of doing it. They might need to go outside and just be outside in the garden and do some gardening and or they might just need to go for a walk or something. What makes you feel good and calm. Yeah, it's what brings you back into like a centre. Yeah, sure. Um, but to intentionally do it is a different thing because mm-hmm. you're, you're intentionally asking for not help but support. And you're open to receiving. So it's it's about asking and receiving. So and it's more powerful to exactly. intentionally do it. Exactly. Make a habit of doing it. Yeah. yeah. And so doing what I do, grounding is super important because I'm off with spirit 90% of the time. <laughs> and so if I don't know where my ground is, where my root is and that I am safe, it can be a bit scary. And I've got the responsibility of not just me, but of you in the room with me. Yeah. Uh, so grounding is, is amazing and it's really great to teach children these two, well, the cleansing, grounding and protecting, but the cleansing and the grounding are really cool tools for kids to be able to help get them to self-soothe. Yeah, settle down. Mm. Yep. And just to recognise that everything that happens in a day doesn't need to make sense to you. It's okay if it doesn't because it might not be yours. Yeah, Yeah, you can feel it. You can feel the feelings of it, but you've only got a piece of it. You've got the emotions. Yeah, yeah. not the thoughts or yeah. the action and the cause of it. So it's about owning what's yours and being able to release what's not and doing it in a beautiful, intentional way that when we cleanse and ground, but particularly when we cleanse, what we're cleansing as well, sometimes it's really nice, especially if you know what it is, Um it's really nice to put the intention out there as well to transmute it back into love so that that your intention is even double like a double folded intention. Oh yes, that'll be a welcome Change for me to
1: just shake that shit off. I'll yeah. <laughs> transmute it into love. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the next step.
0: <laughs> um, just transmute it into love, and that helps kids as well. Just to see yeah. that they have the power to um, to manipulate energy for the positive and for the good. Yeah, helps them set intentions and get them used to that. That self, um, that narrative that um, can be about I do not have to fix this. I can just release it and ask the universe to fix it. Of a sense, you know, it's kind of sweet. It is sweet. It is. Um, And so grounding is typically definitely related to the earth in this case. So it's very earthly. So we don't typically ground with water or fire or air. We ground with earth. So as the elements go. Then we have protection. Now, protection is um, when we do cleansing, grounding and protecting, what, what we're doing in that case is protecting our energy from that which is not for our highest good so it means that we can come into a space with people or just a space or a circumstance that's got its own energy frequency happening and our frequency energy our energy frequency can meet it but not absorb it so we can be aware of it we can be compassionate we can be we can have a full awareness of the situation and we can feel empathy except unless it is something that is personal to us and for our highest good we won't hold it Mm -hmm. which means when we go to bed that night our spare room is empty or better or you know at least not really full because we've intentionally already hopefully protected ourselves from the stuff that is not ours that that our higher self has to then have a conversation with our subconscious and say hey that's not ours yeah it's like the chicken before the egg kind of thing so that protection in that is um a matter of using um a few things so i use water for this as well so i just use the water and it just like coats me with a second skin um and then i also use light to do protection um and light is air um And you just – you can use any colour you want really, but usually it's typical just the white light or Mm -hmm. like a blue light um, or yellow light, golden light, whatever. Um, But you typically – imagine yourself encased in some form of light whether it's a pyramid a sphere the, sh- the different shapes do have different um intentions so a sphere is about protection from everything so you you probably it's it's a great so sphere is a grounding shape so you're going to also ground yourself from spirit con- spiritual connection as well so i very rarely put myself in a sphere um The times when I have put myself in a sphere of white light is when I have felt unsafe because of humans. Like if I've been walking down a street late at night and there's some random scary looking dude, I'll put myself in a sphere of light. Okay. Um, A pyramid is typically what I'll put myself in. uh, And that is the square at the bottom is the grounding. um, But your intention is facing up. So its intention is to receive from spirit, but to remain grounded. So the pyramid is my favorite. Yeah. And that's what I'll step out of the shower into. There's oh, okay. a square on the floor cool. and then I construct a pyramid around me and then I fill it with white light. Mm. So that's your energy cleansing, grounding and protection. But then you've got the other side of things which is protection from – evil spirits, yeah. protection from the scary stuff, you know, protection from what might harm you energetically. And if you're cleansing and grounding and protect, protecting yourself every day, that goes a long way. It's almost like wearing armor every day to protect you already. Um, in terms of protecting yourself from like, if you were to go to a haunted house, or you you lived in a space where the energy was quite Um, heavy or a bit scary or intimidating, um, there are a couple of things that you can do to um, first of all, start to feel safe immediately, because in my opinion, it's about get rid of the immediate threat and then we can handle the situation. So I always give the same advice, which is to clap three times really, really loud. What does that do? So do this now, clap three times really loud, like hurt your hands, hurt. So if you can imagine that sending out a vibration into the air. Sure. So it's a disruption. Yeah. Okay. It's exactly what it is. It's just like sage. Okay. So it it makes it impossible for the energy that was in the air to exist there. So I will always tell little kids to, if you ever feel scared, just clap three times really, really loud and yell out, go away. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so simple. And then when I explain to them what that's doing and I draw them a little picture of the little waves that are coming out that prevent the spirits or the ghosts or whatever to to be there, they're just like, okay, cool, because it it helps us feel in control of the situation and it's science. So we know that it's actually the truth and that it's factual and it's happening. So once that's happened, put yourself in a sphere of light Mm -hmm. so you've got your protection so you've got your cleanse, which is your clap. You've got your protection, which is your sphere. And then what we need to understand is it needs to be whether or not there is a rational threat to your energy or whether it's irrational. Um, there are a few things that you can do outside of that, like um, saging your home to cleanse it of things that don't feel great. Um I guess also there's probably um, being able to educate yourself on, on the history of, of where you are so that you know what the potential is before walking into where you're walking into mm-hmm. and even after you've left, you know, or um, just not, to not be afraid to first of all look at it from a perspective of they can't hurt you. Like the energy can't hurt you in this immediate moment, but let it take hold and it might. And you won't always be aware of that, will you? No, not always. So I've had a few clients over the years that um, have had attachments and um, they've just been unaware. And then there's also um, when people are compelled, especially by uh, known destinations that are haunted, um, and the people that are there have no idea that they're compelled. As in compelled to go there. Yeah, you mean like okay. they almost have this unhealthy relationship with a space, right? So you see it a lot in um, people who work in the theaters, uh, whether as in it, actors. Well, actors, but um, usually the people that work with the theater, so like um, staff, cleaners, security guards, the people in the uh, audiovisual. Right. tech department, the people that know the theatres well. Why Why the theatres? Uh, because there are a lot of spirits in theatres.
1: Why? Is it a creative type creative.
0: space? Creative, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and also theatres are usually quite historical. Okay. So if you think about buildings that theatres are, they're usually very old and very well maintained and kept. So they've seen a lot of life and death pass through Um, other people that used to work in the theatre that have since died but the theatre was their home and they go back there because that's their happy place to go, Um, actors and actresses that died when they were young that go back to continue to live where they want to live. A lot of paranormal um, investigators will go to those places to investigate and they will open up portals and, and let things out and then they're out and they won't let them back in or they don't know to let them back in or they just don't go back in. Now you've just said a word, portals. Yeah. <laughs> ah, portals to hell. Um, there's also the uh, the objects within the theatre as well carry a lot of energy and attachments to them as well. So costume, pianos, like musical equipment. When uh, shows go and, exp- uh, go and uh, perform... Uh, if band members have died, if, you know, the actor who previous played has died and there is like a, a ticket or like a, a beacon for them to get back there, they will. So that's why theatres. Mm-hmm. Um, other places can be land, so there might be like particular places that people just always just feel like they want to go there or they be, they become obsessed with a certain place and they have to live there and they want to be there. Um, people who li- don't leave home, like hermits, hoarders, um, there's lots of them. Uh, nursing homes. I can imagine nursing homes. Hospitals. Yep. Well, I work in
1: a hospital and I was going to ask a question. Um, I know people, some of my colleagues, um, are, are aware of taking home various spirits. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, which I can't understand, is it doesn't seem to bother them. Mm. Um, I also know because I've asked you prior, has anyone ever followed me home? And you say no. <laughs> and <I laughs> Firstly, it makes me curious as to why aren't they following me home? And secondly, why do they follow other people home?
0: You've got a clear uh boundary that says no thanks. <laughs> okay. That that fear boundary. <laughs> yeah. It's just like holy fuck. I'm no. gonna shoot my pants. <laughs> Not me.
1: <laughs> right. Thanks guys for paying attention to that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah. And because they work on energy, yeah, if yeah. yours just isn't vulnerable in that aspect for yeah. them to be able to do it. Yeah. Other people's are. Yeah.
1: So when someone does take someone home, Mm -hmm. and that sounds weird, but in this context, not so much. Um, Okay, so um, they've been followed home. Yep. Um, How do you, how could you move them along?
0: Uh, There's a few different ways. First of all, if you think you might know who it is, have they ever asked, have they ever said that they know who it is or it's just that
1: it's just they're aware so, of it?
0: Yeah, they're aware that there's okay. someone there. Yeah. So you can just talk to them. Yeah, So that's one of the quickest ways is most of the time they're quite intelligent. So you can just say, uh, you know, thanks for coming back. You know, like you just speak to them yep. like there's nothing to be afraid of because there's not, they just yeah. don't know what they're doing Yeah, uh, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You can say, you know, it's not okay to scare me or you can hang out here for a little bit but you're going to have to move on. You just speak to them the way that that you would if it was just a person. to anyone. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, not that it would be okay to have a stranger just come and hang out in your house until they felt ready to move on. but A little bit weird. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Um, So you just talk to them and then what you do also is pray, I guess, um, would be the way the best word for it, I guess, or ask or call on um, what is for their highest good. So in your own time and not to them, you just put it out there and just say whoever whoever can come that this person's ready to to cross over, yep. just come and take them.
1: So they're following you, um, in the hope that you'll be able to help them move on. Yes. Is that why
0: they're doing it? They're, Most of the they're time, they're confused or stuck or
1: yep. not sure what else to do. So here they your lights are. on, yeah. Yep. Okay. So
0: they'll follow you. So when I go to the hospital, um, it doesn't happen anymore. But um, when Luca was two or no three, um, we were at the hospital and he was really, really, really sick. And we, when we got home, we brought home a little girl spirit. Uh, and I know why she came home. It's because I'm the mum and Luca's Luca as well. <laughs> um, but they will attach to and follow those which make them feel mostly like themselves or that they have an awareness of like in terms of what they remember. So there's always some kind of reason as to why they've chosen you. A link. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That that vibrates the same. So it's like a a frequency that they understand. Um, But it's not okay to keep them there because their energy eventually will become toxic to you Um, and that can cause all kinds of problems without you really even realising that it's happening. But eventually you'd probably just get very fatigued um, you'd have sleep disturbances. You'd probably start to lose weight, um, and you start to sound and and think differently to who most people know you as, mm, not yourself. Mm.
1: Mm, interesting. It's fascinating. Mm. We will have to revisit portals. To hell another time. (laughs) I think that's going to take a whole episode. I keep mentioning it every episode but we haven't delved in it. But could you just give me a quick definition of what a portal is? You said that people will go in and open portals up. Yeah. Can you quickly just tell me about a portal?
0: Yeah. So it's really just like opening up an energetic door. Okay. It's just like saying, okay, I'm going to find a place that um, feels energetically charged through spiritual activity Um, as well as emf so there would be a lot of electromagnetic frequency happening in wherever this area is and people who are investigators are pretty clever to be able to work it out but most people you know would notice a room if you were to walk in you'd be just like wow it's heavy in here so those kinds of places are the best places for a portal (laughs) um (laughs) the best (laughs) um but basically it's kind of um like in movies where you see them do the portals to different dimension. Like a swirly round thing. Yeah. Right. It's like that. Stargate. Yeah. It's exactly like that except it's a crossover between realms. Now, it just depends on which realm you are opening with that portal. So if you're opening some darker realms. Oh, man. Um, if you're opening up realms that um, are fine except they've got some they've got some doozies in there and they get out, it's a matter of being responsible and closing down portals and making sure everyone's back in where they belong and back in the realm where they came from. Oh my goodness. Um, and containering it. so it's about setting up an appropriate container about putting the protection around you, about having the the entry into it and the exit out of it. Um, Rather than, you know, some people who will open up a portal will go in and they'll get freaked out. They'll get so freaked out that they forget to close the portal or whatever came through the portal will compel them and they won't be able to close the portal. Yeah, okay. And so a lot of houses and places like that that are you can't live in them because they're so active, uh, portals, because people go and investigate in there and open up more shit. (laughs) Goodness. And then there's layers, so it's like if you've got a portal open in a house that didn't have a portal to begin with but was haunted or had paranormal activity, then you've opened up a portal and wakened more paranormal activity. That's when we see um that's when we see the poltergeist activity and things like that that's extremely rare mm-hmm. It probably happens more than what people see it happen. To put it that way. That's not a comforting thought, no but
1: where do you go from there? You go find someone like
0: yourself, I suppose. I'm not fucking going anywhere near a poltergeist. <laughs> I'll be out that door like quick smart. What would you do though? What I would be out that door. I would know not to go there to begin with. Yep. My guides wouldn't let me. Just don't. Yeah. Enter. Yeah, it's not, yep. it's not where I'm at. I'm not into that sort of stuff. I love paranormal investigation, mm. but... There are places where my guides say, do not go and, or you can go, but don't stay there. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, um, Monte Cristo. I'm going, I'm doing it, but I'm not sleeping there. So what's Monte Cristo? Monte Cristo is a house down in Juni or Juni. Okay. Down at, um, down like Southwest Sydney. And it's one of Australia's most haunted locations. Right. And the original homestead was owned by the Crawleys, Mr and Mrs Crawley, and they've had a lot of death. One of the boys died in one of the silos um, and someone fell off the balcony. Um, I believe Mrs Crawley died in the house as well. Um, And currently uh, they had, I believe, three children And currently the son runs Monte Cristo for tours and sleepovers and you can go there and have dinner and you can hire out the place and I think you can even get married there. Wow. Um, But uh, it's very privately kept, tightly held property. Um, But that place is a place where spirit has said to me, you need to go. Like you really, really need to go but do not stay the night. Whereas I've slept overnight at other places and they've not really given me a warning. It's just been a non-thing. But in this place there's something very specific about it. It's the same with Maitland Jail. Like, yeah, go there but don't sleep. Okay. But, you know, I slept at the Q station. Yep. Like it it doesn't bother me to do it if I'm not getting the upper <laughs> upper management saying that. Nah. <laughs> And Uh, I don't know why.
1: If we all had that voice, (laughs) we all had that warning. (laughs) Upper management. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating and somewhat scary, but like we were talking about um, protection, if Mm -hmm. we were to go to those places just to have a bit of fun, not open anything up, but just, you know, have a ghost tour. Are there things that you can do like to protect yourself before you go just so it makes yourself feel better?
0: Yeah, ground and white light. Yep. So just do the visualisation of white light. Yeah. And carry a cross and a piece of garlic. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Pocket full of salt. If you're going to go to those places, you want to experience stuff. Yep. Like there's something fascinating and um, exciting that you want to experience. So you, you... You want to go with an open mind and you don't want to be too grounded. That's right, yeah. Um, But there's really not much that can happen to you in those places as well because they wouldn't let it open, be open for starters, if they had certain things happen that would lead them to believe that there were uh, dangerous or predator-type spirits there. Yeah. Um, You know, when I was there, I've had, um, or at Q Station, I've had um, people touch me like spirit, not people, spirit touch me. And it's not inappropriate. It might have been if it was a person, but it's not inappropriate. It's just that that's where they could touch me, you know, and it's all in my feeling. If I feel afraid or if I feel like it's inappropriate, then I know what to do. But you've got words. You can use your words. It's just like a person. You say, hey, don't touch me there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, that's not cool. Keep your hands to yourself. And they're in, if they're intelligent, which they are, if they're touching you, then they they will respond to what you're saying. Yep. But places that have organised paranormal tours and investigations, they they will not let the public into those places if there is potential for something like that to happen. Yep. Well, so that's good to know. Protection. You know, just ask pray to whoever you pray to, and yep. ask for your angels and your guides to protect you, and you'll be fine. Yep. Just so you can have a bit of fun. Yeah, that's it. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. like find me a story where something bad's happened. No, <laughs> I'm not looking for those stories. You've watched those ones come
1: rolling in. <laughs> so we've talked a fair bit about the Q station, which is the quarantine station for listeners that might be unfamiliar. Um, Tracy and I have both been there at separate times. I just thought it would be a little bit interesting to say a couple more things about it in more depth. So, it ran from 1830 to 1984 in Manly as the quarantine station. Um, and it was to keep anyone who might have had an infectious disease quarantined until it was considered safe to release them. So that's just over 150 years of boats coming into the port and being held for 40 days or longer um, before they were even allowed to dock and then they went through all the processes of being decontaminated and many didn't survive that. So um, I'd like to ask Tracy if um, we've heard a bit about your experiences from being there but I know you took a camera there and have we heard everything about your experience there.
0: (laughs) Well that's why we're going to talk about this one because finally I can stop talking about it and we can stop talking about it. (laughs) But um, I've got some photos that I will put up on Instagram. Great. um, Of things that I captured. Um, But yeah so when I went to the Q station with Matt which was exactly two years ago today. Wow, um how funny is that that yeah. that, that is happening? Did you just have that realization yeah, too? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, because um, it was for my birthday a couple of years ago, Happy and we birthday, stayed overnight. Tracy. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, so we stayed there overnight, um and so we had a couple of things happen. So we went there in the day, in the afternoon, and uh, we uh, had a look around, and because there's lots of history tours that you can do there, and yeah. you can see everything, and Part of our package essentially was that you'd stay for two days, one night, and you'd do dinner, uh, the ghost tour, whichever one you picked, and you'd stay overnight in one of the uh, refurbished um, workers' cottages. Um, And then the next day you got breakfast and then you'd be out of there. So we went to dinner at the boiler, boiler room or the boiler house. Which was so delicious, by the way. It was so yummy, and then we went out and joined the part of the tour, and the tour that we were on was the kind of absolutely everything, see everything, do everything tour, and um, when we went into it was very early on where you go into the the inciner the place where they burn where they um uh wash the luggage not the incinerator the place where they wash the luggage where they um what's that fumigated yeah fumigated and um there's another word but anyway so you and this is I've got photos of this so it's like you walk into this room just to give everyone an idea you walk into this room that's sort of very much a warehouse industrial looking type room and there are contraptions set up for luggage to move through, a little bit like at the airport, and it leads the luggage off the boats into these two that are sitting either side, these two big um, round containers. Um, that have got massive metal round doors like submarine type doors. Yeah, they look airtight. Yeah, airtight. Secure. like nothing is nothing airborne is getting in or out of this thing. Mm. And so you go into this room and the doors are open so you can see straight through the, um, the, the two tunnels where the the luggage goes. and the lights go off. And you're told about the history of the room and what would happen in there, um, about the people that actually died in that room because of the machinery and because of the things that would happen in that room that was like a workplace, you know, hazards, I guess. Um, And so we're sitting in that room and I could feel very strong presences in that room. Like it felt like it was coming from all different directions. Uh, It felt playful, though. It felt like they, they enjoyed having people there. It didn't feel you know, Maleficent or anything like that. And so I took lots of photos in that room because I knew that there was lots of spirits. And quite often when people do take photos around me, they will capture things. So I knew that, get the camera out and take photos. So I've got a couple of captures from that, that room in particular. I'm going to not be, I'm not going to tell um, what the captures were. I might just put the photos up on Insta and just see if people can find it. Sure. Um, and then I'll circle where the two two spirits that are in these particular photos can be seen. Sounds great. It's yeah. a challenge. Yeah, sure. And then, um, then after the tour, we didn't really have too much. A lot of the time um, for that tour, I just felt like I was being watched. And if I'm being really, really honest, what I felt like I was actually being watched by was the Indigenous owners of the land from that far back, not from the quarantine period. Yep, because it is on beautiful, big it national is. park land. It is. It's gorgeous there. Actually. It is stunning. Yep. Uh, so I felt more uh, attuned to the indigenous spirit as opposed to the the English. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. Uh, there were some places within the tour that I could not go in, uh, which in other paranormal investigations I found that happens. Uh, it's almost like I um, I just have this wall that just doesn't allow me to walk through it. Wow. Um, sometimes it can be into entire buildings. Sometimes it can just be into a room inside a building. Um, but there were two places that I couldn't go at the quarantine station. One was into the morgue. Yep, we talked about that. Yep. And... Um, on another night when I did another investigation there, I couldn't go into the back room at the um in that little white house. The grave diggers The house. grave diggers house, yeah. the very back room, there was a, there was a wall in that door and I could not get through it. Just could not walk through it. Um so there were two spaces that I couldn't I just wasn't allowed in there energetically and I don't know why. I kind of try not to question those things be- and yeah, and enough. I guess in some ways as well I don't have the capacity to question it at the time. And then I kind of just forget about it afterwards. It's almost like a bit of a compulsion thing happening. It's kind of like a note we're just going to make it not a big deal and sort of mind wash me into not caring or kind of being not phased by it. But really it would bother me that I couldn't get in there, like why can everyone else go in there and I can't go in there. Not about the morgue but that back room of the graveyard house, I was so, so wanting to go in that back room because people were saying that so much cool stuff was happening in there. Cool stuff. And I could hear the REM pods going off as well. So what's that thing that you were just talking about? The REM pod? Yeah. They're the round devices that have the colored light, the little tiny colored lights on top. And it sets out like a little frequency. And if something goes near it or touches it, it blocks the frequency and it will beep. Oh, okay. And so it makes noises and the lights go off different colors. So you can have intelligent conversations with spirits. So you can ask them questions and you can say, Are you a female? And it might not give you anything. And say, Are you a male? and it might light up. Right. Um, and then you can establish yes and no answers. Uh, so it's a really great device to use and it um, it can only work if something comes near it because it, it, it's stimulated and goes off by a sensor. And so if no one is in the room and you're talking and it is going off and it's three hundred like three metres away from you, it has to be something that's in that field to be able to make it go off. So they're really cool devices and it was going off and I was just like, I want to be in there on the action. Um, so we had that. And then when Matt and I went back to our room, the the refurbished places, they've, they've got like a, a wraparound deck and the rooms go from front to back. And so at the front, there's a door and at the back, there's a door. And at the front, to walk into the room you walk into this little lounge seating area with a little kitchen to the left. Straight ahead you walk through like a little bathroom sort of area that's in the middle of the house, in the middle of the cottage, and then you walk through to the back and it's the bedroom. And then on the back wall is the door. And when we first got in there, the wind the curtains were open to the back um, door and we walked in and I didn't know, I didn't realise when we walked in, like I didn't pay attention to when it was daylight that those curtains were open. Like it just wasn't something that I paid attention to. And when we got home from the tour um, that night, we came in and I saw a shadow, like a, a figure move from one end of the room to the other, at the back door, like at the back wall. And I was just like, what the fuck? And then I realised that it was actually a person on the outside walking past the balcony, just walking past our room, like probably one of the people in the rooms down the other end (laughs) that was going down to the hall, down to the balcony. A real person just walking down (laughs) the balcony. <laughs> but I literally shat myself. It was just like, <laughs> oh my God. Because that would have been only probably the second or third time that anything like that has ever happened to me in that way. Yeah. So it definitely was something that shook me up for a little bit. And I laughed so hard after that. But it must have woken up and it must have, um, there must have been some funny energy because then we we were lying in bed and it was my birthday and we were having a weekend away where it was a mum and a dad. So Mm. there were things happening and (laughs) the lights were off, but on the side of the bed on either side of the wall were those little lights that you get that are like sconce lights that are on the wall and they were, um, clap activated. Like you just clapped for them to turn on and off anyway. So (laughs) we are trying to go to sleep and, um, one of the lights came on just randomly, just one of them. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't turn just one by yourself. You have, when you clapped, both came on. And when you clapped, both went off. You Uh couldn't just do the left or the right. Oh my gosh. And so one of the lights came on and we were just like, that's weird. Of course it did. So then we clapped and both lights came on and it was like, okay, well, I'd rather the lights be on now. Thank you. Like I'm getting a little bit like, Ooh, what's going on? And then a few more minutes went through and at, a very appropriate time, the lights decide to flicker on and off and on and off and on and off and then just off. But we had turned them on. Yeah. So if they were to stop flickering, they should have stayed on. So we're just like, okay, and then they just stayed off. We finally fell asleep and it was at some point in the middle of the night I just woke up to the sound of what sounded like a clap and I opened my eyes and every light in the whole entire place was on. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, Matt, oh my goodness. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I it was so creepy. So creepy. Yes, yeah, so everybody go. <laughs> Go and be yeah, out. Yeah, I think that um, there's definitely lots of experiences there because then I had more when I went another time as well. Oh, that's um, right. You've been more than once. In the Gravedigger's house as well where we t- we took lots of equipment and we were able to get spirit box um, answers. So the spirit box is where there, there's lots of different spirit boxes but the one that they had, it has like a um, a library of, or, of words and phrases. Oh, okay, yep. And... It can answer you using the library that it has. So you ask questions and it will give you intelligent answers using the words that it can. So you might say, who's here? And you might get the relevant response, which might be lady. Or you might say, um, you know, how did you die? And it might say stab, you know, like it'll give you intelligent answers using one syllable Kind of words. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we had lots of that, and what we were able to do was validate a lot of stuff that other people had come up with, and it hadn't been able to be validated. So that was really cool to be a part of that night's experience because later on, I found out that it had validated a lot of other stuff that had happened. Um, and then in one of the rooms in that house as well, so that was in the kitchen that we did that spirit box, but then in one of the bedrooms, which is where the two guys lived, I can't remember their names, but I was sitting on the wall that was, if you walk into the door, it was on the, I was sitting on the bed. If you walk into the room, it's on the right wall. And uh, we had the um, EMF detector and, which is a, a light sort of piece of a piece of equipment that's got a light that goes from the left to the right. And the left is like a low reading. And the more EMF that there is electromagnetic frequency, the higher the lights will go up. So if there is um, electromagnetic in, um, activity in the room, the lights will go up. But Usually what they'll do is is they'll know a space where in the room there might be some old wiring that's going to cause a spike, but they wouldn't let you in there as a paranormal investigator if they didn't already know where those spikes occurred, because otherwise you would go in there thinking every time that you were speaking to a ghost when you're not or a spirit and you're not. So we had intelligent answers because we were using the EMF detector, but we were also using a voice recorder. So we were recording all of the answers to the questions, but we couldn't hear the answers until we replayed it back. Right. So we knew that they were answering though because the lights would go up with each question. Wow, okay. So I would ask a question, the lights would go up and then I would just keep asking questions and that's where I got touched. Yeah. And um, we were having the best conversation and then when we went back out and replayed it, he was he was intelligently answering myself and two of the guys that were in the room with me and just answering the questions and having a bit of a chuckle. He was having a bit of a laugh as well. And you being who you are, yeah, I'm, you couldn't hear them at the time. No, I couldn't hear them at the
1: time. Yeah, see, that's fascinating in itself.
0: Yeah, well, I very rarely do hear them. Yeah, but yeah, there's you can get lots of activity mm. at those places, and um, it can be very fun. Mm. My second time was much better than my first time, right? And in the nurses' station, yep, um, not the nurses, the in the little hospital there, that too. hospital, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, they set up toys for the kids, right? Uh, and we actually saw uh, a t- we've got a teddy bear that. Turned like it was just sitting there, and no one was anywhere near it. We're all on the other beds sitting there, and we were looking at the little bed tray. Yeah, and they set up a teddy bear and a couple of other things. Um, and the teddy bear just went like that, like it just slightly turned to the left. Wow, yeah, so that was pretty
1: cool. I didn't see anything like that when we went. Mm. We'd had a couple of sherbets, so so. (laughs) could have been a reason, had a lot of fun.
0: Yes,
1: girls' night. Yep. Yeah, so if you're around the area, that could be a fun spot to go visit. I think they're open.
0: Yep, they reopen. So they're they're now taking bookings, I think, from this weekend, from the long weekend for ghost tours. Right. Um, there's so many different ones that you can do there as well. So um, if you don't want to do a sleepover, it's not just a sleepover that you have to do. You can do an hour, a couple of hours. You can do like full-blown paranormal investigation with all the equipment. Um, You can just do more like a history ghost tour, which I've done as well, which was quite boring, actually. Well, for you, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And the tour guides, God love them, they are all obsessed with the Q station. They know the history. They do know the history. And it's so exciting to listen to that history. But then there are also real paranormal geeks that hang out there that um love to get in on the cliche and stereotype of it all as well and I know they're doing it for for shits and giggles a lot of the time um so if you're a bit more serious about things try not to go with the the shorter more gimmicky tours Mm. go with the more serious ones because I mean it's not expensive but you know for some people it might be expensive so if you're going to spend your money and you're going to take the time to do it and you want to have a good experience, I recommend doing the one that's a little bit more, a little bit more experienced.
1: Yep. And go in the daytime when you can see the the views and the, the land it's on. It's really Absolutely.
0: Pretty. Not for the ghost tour because I don't do ghost tours in the day, but go yep. go in the daytime to see it and explore it. A walk around. Yeah. 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 It's really nice to go in a daylight saving as oh, well because you get, get tip. yeah, you get a good <laughs> afternoon there. mm and the restaurants there is delicious. But, yes, that – so I will put up the photos that I've got on Instagram.
1: Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Spirit, for having your two cents worth at the start. Thanks, Spirit. (laughs) Um, Thanks, listeners. You guys have been awesome with your support and your reviews and your subscriptions. Um, If you feel so inclined, keep that up. That would be awesome and we'll have a chat next time. Bye. Bye.